Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, episode number 98, and this might have the best title of any episode thus far, Sales for Your Non-Selly Self. That really caught my attention when Shauna Beckman reached out to us with her idea for a podcast. We get a lot of inquiries now for people who want to be on the podcast. And the very first thing we say is, what actionable advice are you going to be able to give our audience? We are not looking for theory. We are looking for techniques we can use right this minute. And Shauna certainly ticked off all the boxes. I got a lot out of this episode. We talked about how to create a win-win situation, which means I can't go back to relying on being passive. I just completed filming a new course at businessofdesign.com called When No is the Answer. And during that course, we talk about passiveness versus assertiveness. Very important if we are going to run businesses that thrive for sure. A few things really resonated for me in this episode. For example, Shauna said, if you are not setting the standards in your own business for what to charge, for timing, for the rules around collecting expenses, etc., then your customers will set the standards. Wow. Think about that. You're allowing someone who doesn't know anything about running a design business to set those standards for you. We don't want that to happen. So we definitely want to pay attention to that. As I listened to the interview a second time, I heard so many instances where Shauna dropped a priceless nugget of wisdom. Now, in most cases, she said it so quickly and it was part of some amazing concept. I didn't even have a chance to follow up on them. But there was this one thing she said, as creatives, we tend to feel that our worth is in what we give rather than what we take. And that really explained to me why I feel fine about giving away my talent and my services, but perhaps less fine about taking money from customers. And of course, that led to a conversation about money baggage. We all have it. We come to the relationship with it. Clients have it. So let's talk about that money baggage thing too. Listen in as well when she talks about micro-commitments, getting that customer to commit in a mild way by nodding the head, by saying yes to all the baby steps that lead up to signing the contract, for instance. Shauna is also going to share with us five actionable, simple sales strategies. You guys can do these. I remember when I couldn't do any of these things, but I'm completely confident I've got this now. And I added some things to my intake process and to my sales process as well, based on this podcast. It's a really good one. The five simple sales strategies, I'm going to tell you what they are right now, but if you're driving, don't worry. Everything is available to you at businessofdesign.com in the show notes. So feel free after a great episode like this to look up the guest, to get their Twitter handles, etc., and to go back and get a list of the takeaways from the episode. They are all there waiting for you. But as promised, those five actionable sales strategies... Sell the outcome, not the process. Transformation sells, so use the outcome as a form of visual persuasion. Get yourself invited into the sales talk, and Shauna will explain what that means. Consider people's past purchases as you're thinking about whether or not they are going to buy something from you today. 
The selling process can feel weird if you're selling the wrong thing to your customer. Let me tell you a little bit about Shauna Beckman. This is her background. Pretty cool. She is a former crisis line advocate. And part of her job was to talk to people about the very uncomfortable questions of organ and tissue donation. Important work, but I can imagine there were lots of awkward, uncomfortable conversations. Sean has been able to use what she learned in that job set and those conversational principles, and now she trains and coaches creatives to navigate the sales conversation. She's created this new path for herself, all while raising five human beings under the age of seven, which I find miraculous. And she says she still finds time for cross-stitching and to drink champagne every Friday with her husband. People's stories are fascinating, aren't they? We have lots to talk about with Shauna, so let's check in with Cheryl Horn real quickly. Cheryl, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? You know what? I am I'm good. I'm excited about all the things we have coming up. It's going to be a busy couple of months. As soon as you get back from Australia, you're headed to High Point, and I'm going to meet you there, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, we've got a three-hour seminar on the Friday, April 5th, which is Launch Projects Like the Boss, and it's a three-hour CEU course. Um, and then on the Sunday, April 7th, No More Negotiating, which is a new seminar for you, which is great. Okay, so just to be clear, that Friday seminar, three hours, you'll get homework, you'll get handouts, you will have steps one, two, and three ready to go in your arsenal. So if you're going to be at High Point, definitely come out for that. It is a partnership with High Point Market and Business of Design, and the cost for that is $295. I guarantee you will make that money back in a minute over and over and over again. And then the second seminar on the Sunday is a one hour. It's a free seminar, no more negotiating. So two events at High Point, which we're really looking forward to. Yes. And then also coming up uh, pretty quick, February 15th, only 10 days away is our rate increase. So we're just making sure that everyone has a lot of notice about that. If you can sign up prior to February 15th, or if you're already a member, you do get locked into current pricing as long as you're a member. So by all means, if you've got questions about membership, reach out to us and we'll get those questions answered for you. Absolutely. What are you waiting for? Sign up for membership and I guarantee you, we will change your business and we will change your life in a really, really good way. And come on out to High Point. If you haven't been, you can hang out with us. Cheryl and I have the Saturday free and uh, we're looking to get into some trouble somehow. I don't know how yet, but it's going to happen for sure. Right, Cheryl? (laughs) Yeah, we'll be doing the rounds, finding where the best food and drinks are. It'll be great. Join us. That sounds like us. That sounds like us. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Cheryl. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. And now, back to the show. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses plus Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. 
Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Good morning, Shauna. How are you? Good. Thank you. Very well. Okay. Seriously, you have five children under the age of seven? I do. <laughs> oh my gosh. I there, I there is no way I could do it. I just, that is the hardest job in the world, I would think. It is. It, it, is a, it is a tough job, but actually because they're all close together in age, they tend to run together, which is really fun. Run together like a pack. You yes, are, they are a pack. You're so <laughs> outnumbered. Oh, it is really fun. I actually had ovarian cancer when I was 21 and they took out my right ovary and part of the left. And they said, if you wanted to have kids, like go have kids right now. So me and my husband got married like three months later and started trying right away. And it took us two years to have the first one. And then, then they just kind of came back to back and we're like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I love it. Um, anyway, I'm really glad you somehow, I don't know how, but somehow you managed to take time to talk to us today about how to improve our ability to sell. And a lot of designers are resistant. We don't think of ourselves necessarily as salespeople, but in fact, we're selling every single day, aren't we? Yes, that is totally true. Whether that is, you know, in the in your particular offer or getting your kids to bed or trying to communicate your idea or picking where you want to go out to eat, like everything that you do in life is totally sales. It is so true. The ability to negotiate for what you need in the world is a real gift, right? And there are ways that we can improve our ability to do that. Yes, absolutely. And not and on top of like being able to get what you want, making sure that it's mutually beneficial. And I feel like women and designers and people who have like a creative spirit want that to be like both end, right? Like they don't want to just, they want customers to be excited about purchasing. So they want it to feel more collaborative. And that's kind of a whole nother style of approaching sales. Right. And you, you, to have it be successful on both ends, that means creating a win-win, right? And we can't create a win-win if we're being passive. If we're saying, I'll make sure that you have what you need, but my value is nothing. So I'll work evenings, I'll work even uh, weekends, I'll work for free. That is not a win-win. That's a lose-win. Absolutely. And, and not only does like, do you suffer, but like your, your creativeness suffers, your work suffers, your family suffers. If you're not being, if you're not able to make a life and a living doing the thing that you want to be doing. A hundred percent. That was exactly my story. I was not able to sustain this career because it was not profitable for me. And if it's not profitable, you can't keep doing it, right? I end up coaching. Yeah, you burn out. You burn out. And I end up coaching a lot of designers who are in a married relationship, let's say. And um, so far, it's been predominantly female. So I can I can say that. So there, there are female designers who have partners. And they will call me and they'll say, I have been working for five years. I work so hard. And yet at the end of the year, I don't really have any money to show for. It and my husband is getting annoyed. He thinks yep. it would be better if I got a job doing anything that would pay a steady income. And that is tragic. It breaks my heart. So part of what you're going to talk to us about today is how to even sell the fact that we charge for our services, right? And sell <laughs> sell the fact that we're going to yep. bill for the expertise we share with clients. Yeah? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious to get your impression too on why do you think that is happening? Like how do, how do your designers get through five years of doing the work? Do, do they just feel like I'm, I can't do it? Do they feel like it's not worth it? Do they feel like they need more experience? Like how do you get stuck doing your your life's work and not getting paid for it. Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. So here's how it's happened and here's how it happened a bit for me and how I've talked to other designers it's happened for. They are not charging enough money at the beginning and then the client starts to complain about the fees and so they take off more money which they don't have enough of to begin with because they tell themselves, I told myself, money is not my primary motivation. I want to make this client happy. So I'll just eat it on this one job. And then going forward, I have learned so much, I won't do it again. But unfortunately, it happens on the next job and the next job and the next job. If your go-to solution for every problem is, I won't charge you for that, you will be broke. And clients will, in my experience, clients will allow you to do that. They will allow you to work for free if you present that to them as an option. And it's not because they're horrible people, but it's because they're going to play by whatever rules we give them, right? So if you're not billing enough, if you're then taking money off because the client complains about fees, um, then you have less of the money you don't have to begin with. And then you're making mistakes because you don't have systems and procedures in place. So you make a mistake, you order the wrong fabric, or you've got two light fixtures instead of one light fixture. And all of that money comes right out of profitability. What little profitability there is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday who's a graphic designer and I hired him to just do like a handful of graphics. And he's like, okay, I'll do 20 of them for 300 bucks. And that is actually like really, really cheap. And he was, it took him like two months because he's so over, he's got so much work and it's burning him out and he's really tired and it's not at a fair price. And so we were having this conversation. I'm like, you're charging way too less. He goes, well, how do I know what to charge? And I said, well, you have to ask. I said, I would have paid the same price for half the photos. I said, but like, you don't know that unless you ask. And I said, and I didn't know better. And he's like, and he was giving me a hard time about it. He's like, I can't believe you. And I'm like, I was following your lead. Like you told me what the price was. And I just like agreed with it. So you're absolutely right. Like if you don't, if you're not the one setting the standards, like your customers are going to control that. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't, we don't want that to happen. Okay. So let's, can we break this down into typical phases of a project? So the first phase is a new customer phones your office. I now have to be able to sell that person on hiring me. Are there techniques we can use in that moment? Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to to consider what they have bought in the past. Okay, so you want to be able to identify like their budget, how much are they thinking? Like, are they thinking like a $20,000 job with like a $1,000 budget? So it's really important before you get into the money part of the conversation that you're asking questions that kind of drive self-awareness around what do they want? What, what are their expectations? Because selling starts to feel weird if like the expectations don't match. And so you want to control the expectations of, okay, Like, what about my work is resonating with you? Why do you want it? You know, like, have you spent money on this, like, like this in the past? And then when they say, you know, once you start getting sort of those answers, it's important that you, it's important that before you position the offer that you've been able to fully kind of diagnose and then prescribe. Okay. So some of the questions we use to get at answers 
to what you're talking about are, um, for example, we will ask a new person phoning our office, is this your primary residence? And we ask that question because if the person says, well, yeah, it's my only residence. Oh, okay. Then we, we know something about that customer now. Where if the customer says, well, we've got a place in Florida and we have a cottage in the woods, it's like, oh, boom, this client has three homes. So yep. I know something else about that particular cu- customer. So that's a really good question we use to get at that. Um, but as you were talking, it occurred to me, uh, if, let's say somebody I don't know phones and says they want to do a new kitchen. I mean, ask them what kind of fridge they currently have. If they say it's uh, you know, we got a dinged special from Sears. That tells you a lot about that customer versus a customer who says, I have a 48-inch Sub-Zero and I just love it, so I want a new one, right? That's you Right away, you know a lot about that client. So ask those telling questions. Don't be afraid to ask those telling questions. Yes, absolutely. And it's similar to Amazon, right? Like when you buy a book and on the bottom, it's like, we give you these recommendations based on your past purchases. And it's just like such an easy way for you to help identify, is this going, is is pitching my service going to be like pulling teeth, but I can get the right information that will make it easier for me to know up, like to know at the end, rather than waste all that time, not really knowing if they're, if they can even afford it. Right. And another way I'm thinking you might be able to start the conversation is by discussing a project you're doing currently or have done in the recent past, right? Like, oh, great. You want to renovate your master bedroom and bathroom. We're doing a project like that, you know, now, and we've got, you know, this kind of tub and they've got two sinks and we've got these beautiful brass faucets. You know, what are you thinking about? And you'll get a sense of whether or not that client is savvy um, and has you know, a budget that's going to carry you. Plus I find if I can refer to those projects that are fresh in my mind, I'm better with numbers. I can remember recent numbers, but I can't remember numbers that happened three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And one question in particular that I like to ask a lot is what is it about my work that resonated with you? What is it about my work that you enjoyed or liked or whatever? Because what you're doing is you're calling, people tend to have short-term memories and you're calling to front that memory and you're getting to them to like, oh yeah, like I really do like this person. I really do want this thing because we tend to, to forget. And the most important thing that we're thinking about is the current thing that we're thinking about. So that's just a really great nugget to ask in in the front. And then if they give you an objection later on, like, ah, I don't know, like, why are you so expensive? You can say, well, you told me that you liked my style of work because of this. Is that still true? Right? So it kind of gives you an opportunity to slow pitch any objections. And it's a really great question. Oh, I love that. I'm going to uh, suggest that we add that to our intake process because I think that's a really smart question. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. So, so we have to be able to sell that consultation when the client first phones our office. And in order to make sure we're selling it to the right person, you've got strategies for us to get more information out of that customer. So that makes sense to me. So now we're at the consultation. And one of the things we bump up against with designers all the time in the business of design community is they are intimidated or a little uncomfortable reading their contract at the consultation. And I maintain that that's the best way to find out whether or not this customer is going to work with you. Sit down and tell them how you work. Obviously, we're going to do the consultation first. We're going to go through the whole house and give them great ideas. But then we have to literally read that contract line by line and then ask them for the job, right? You do want to ask someone for the job. 
Yeah. What do you think holds, in your experience, when you're training people to be better at sales, what do you think holds us back from directly asking for that job? That's a really great question. I, I think that there are a lot of things. And I think a lot of times as creatives, like we tend to feel that our worth is in what we can give, not necessarily what we can take. And so when we take money, like it, it can feel really weird, but it's a really good thing for your customers to pay you. Like they want to pay you. And you may have felt this similarly with a friend or somebody that you know does a really, maybe gives you a really nice gift or does something really generous. It can feel strange for you to not return that favor. And so that's the same thing with, with the money thing. Like it's, it's always harder to receive than it is to give. Mm-hmm. It's so true. So we've been successful. We've been able to sell that consultation over the phone. And now we arrive at the customer's house. We walk through the house. We give them great ideas. And at the end of that consultation, I read my contract to the client line by line. And then if this is a job that I want, I ask them for the job. But that was not easy for me to do for a long time. So can you talk about how we could be more successful at convincing a client to make now a very big purchase, which is hiring us to do their decorating or renovating project. Absolutely. I would, I would definitely try to make sort of micro commitments along the way of the contract, right? So as you're reading the contract, as you're engaging with them through the home, is this what you want? Is this still something that you want? Because it's really hard to get to the end of, it's called the law of consistency. So if they're saying yes to you along the way, and all of a sudden they get to the end and they say, no, actually, this isn't what I want. No, I'm not ready. It causes a lot of stress because they've just spent the last hour saying yes to everything and now they're saying no. So what you're doing is along the way, you're getting them to collaborate with you. You're making sure that this is exactly what they want. So then when you say, okay, like this is something that we do want to do for you. Is this still important to you? Have I asked everything that's important? Am I missing anything? And they say, no, this is great. This is everything I want. Well, of course it is. They've just told you that. Then you say, okay, so what we can do is when you sign this contract, you pay this deposit, we'll be able to get you insert, you know, the outcome that they want, you know, does that sound fair? And what, what will they say next? They'll say, yeah, that sounds really fair. Okay. That is amazing right there. What you said is so amazing. You get micro commitments. I'm totally aware of that when I'm doing the presentation, I show them the floor plans and I'm nodding my head. I wish you, I wish you guys could all see Shauna. She's beautiful. And she's nodding her head as she's describing what's happening. So I'm literally nodding my head when I'm doing that presentation. Is this the floor plan work for you? I love it. Does it work for you? But what you're saying is at that first meeting, face-to-face meeting, the consultation, as you're reading the contract, you can also be nodding your head yes and getting those little micro commitments as you're going through the contract. That's really, really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's good for your clients because then they feel understood. They feel like somebody understands them. And it's the same way, like if you go to the doctor and you know, you, you, you have like, let's say you have really bad headaches, right? And the doctor's like, well, what's your symptoms? How, what have you treated it? What are you eating? Are you exercising? Right? Like they ask you a series of questions. And then when they go to prescribe, it feels like you're actually hurt. Like it feels like they actually understand. And so when you approach the conversation from like a two-way street, like from a conversation, a collaboration, they're going to trust you more. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel like, they know you and you've got their best interest and then they can logically justify the price and the decision on the spot. Okay. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Get those micro commitments. 
I did a campaign for a bank, uh, and uh, one of the things that they would say is, we sell Friday nights. It was their mortgage program. And they were trying to train their staff that they're not selling a mortgage. You're selling Friday nights in a new family room with the children at your feet. And I thought that was really good. So tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So a a lot of us who are in our industry have been in our industry for like decades and years and we've read books and podcasts and trained seminars and your and your normal person who's buying that has maybe what read like a couple articles or like maybe read a book or two like your level of expertise and knowledge is so so high that when you start talking about your work it starts to get really easy to get hung up on the process right like the details and the creativity and the and how you do your work when really your customer wants the said outcome they're not really familiar with your process and it's not the selling point what they're buying is really the outcome that you provide. So every time that you're, you're trying to communicate, you should be asking like, so what, so what if they get these types of tiles? So what if we, you know, put this countertop, uh, you know, in the kitchen? So what, like do like three or four, so what's, and then you'll really get to the heart of why this is important to them. And that is the selling point. You're selling the final product. You're not selling the nuts and bolts of how you got there, in other words. Yeah, I mean, you you can absolutely talk about that, and that's important. But the way that we understand how people buy, it's first emotionally, and then they logically justify, right? So you want to definitely talk on both parts, and they're both important. But from a strategy standpoint, it's first the emotion, like what what how are they going to feel when they're able to invite all their friends over into a totally beautiful kitchen? Like, what does that say about the person who's buying and what does it say about what they value? And if you, if you stick that, if you, if you, if you kind of, if you emphasize that point and then say, okay, and we're going to do that with this process that I've cut, you know, that, that my trademark process or, you know, cause I've got the best, you know, whatever, whatever, then you can kind of help them logically justify it. But yeah, absolutely. Both parts are important, but just strategically placed. That's amazing. So I will listen during the consultation for them to talk about, oh, my daughter's getting married or, uh, you know, we just have grandkids or whatever. And then I'm Mm -hmm. able to say like, wouldn't a wedding be beautiful here or an engagement party? Wouldn't that be amazing now in your new, you know, living room and dining room or, uh, you know, the basement's going to be the perfect place to have a a birthday party for your grandson. He's going to love it because you can go right out the back door. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so really important to focus on that. I use the nuts and bolts conversation more as a a way to, uh, convince them that they don't want to be involved in project management. I can make it sound horrible and scary and complicated and you should just leave it to us because it's a nightmare. So I, I kind of use the other end of that stick. Absolutely. And one point that I wanted to emphasize that you just touched on is that people make decisions to purchase from you twice. They make it in their mind and then they make it with their wallet. So what you're doing is when you're selling the emotional outcome, you're helping them visualize it first in their mind. So that way it gets easier for them to spend with their wallet. Like we're, our brains are wired for story. We see things first in picture. And so when you walk them through that, this is what happens. This is what you could do with your grandkids. This is where the wedding could be. Like they can't unsee that when you get to the pitch. So it makes everything so much easier. 
Shauna, you have something called actionable, simple sales. What that's intriguing. What is that about? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you mentioned that I have five kids, right? So I need to find like the easiest and fastest way for me to grow my business and book those clients. And so I've created an actionable, simple sales plan where it helps you identify the communication style that you need to create desire to book the clients. And so we mentioned some of them here briefly, right? Like making sure that you're helping your customers visualize the purchase. You're helping them visualize why they were even here in the first place. What's important to them? Like you're not there to to pressure them or back them into a corner or like try to convince them. What you're doing is you're making them come to their own choices, both by using language and good questions that drive their own self-awareness. Wow. Okay. So the five steps of the actionable simple sales plan are what? Yeah. So it's first identifying who you're selling to. It's selling starts to feel weird if you do not know who you're selling to. It also starts to feel weird if you do not know what you're selling, which is their own reasons, right? And also identifying the pricing conversations before you have the pricing conversations. It's also making sure that you're invited into the sales talk, right? So like they tell you what you want. They, they tell you what they want, why they want it. Now, just simply ask like, because you said that, do you want to talk about how I can, how I can support you with that? Do you want to talk about one of my offers that I think that you're perfect for? So really before you even talk about money, making sure that you get their permission and then making it super fast and simple sign here, let's get this done. This is the deadline. Here's our timeline and boom, let's get it done. You don't even have to think about it anymore. We're going to start on your project and we're going to take really good care of you. And it's going to be great. Like that is how you're going to close the deal is just by reassuring them, like you said, that it is in fact going to be awesome and they're going to love it and they're, and you're going to take good care of them, but you can't take good care of your clients if you're pinching pennies, right? Like you actually have to be paid for that. So getting paid what your service is worth is good for everyone. Oh my gosh, this is so good. I love how it's so boiled down, distilled down to these actionable things that are um, relatively easy to do. And the more you do this kind of thing, the more you work that muscle and the stronger it gets. Absolutely. When Shauna reached out to us, she said she wanted to talk to designers and their non-selly selves. And that just cracked me up. Yeah, you said this in the beginning too, that we st- we tend to start our businesses and like our passion projects because it it's absolutely fulfilling. And a lot of us would still do it even if we did get if even if we didn't get paid. And so then when we get to this point where it's like, oh man, like I actually have to like promote myself. I actually have to like hype myself up. It can start to feel really strange and we tend to avoid it. But I want to just emphasize how important it is, is that when you know the the transformation that you provide when you know exactly who you're supposed to be serving, it will make everything so much easier for you to move forward in confidence. And so your, your customer, like your, your clients don't buy your guests. And so if you aren't sure of the transformation that you provide, the work that you do, the impact that you give, it's going to be really, really hard to sell. So you constantly have to have this, this level of mindfulness of like, okay, who am I serving? Who am I meant to serve? And what is, what is the transformation that I provide? Because your customers, again, won't buy your guests. Like they will feel that level of certainty. And that's really what sales is. It's the transfer of certainty that you are, in fact, the one that will get them what they want in the best possible way. 
Too often designers just can't even articulate their value. And I hear a lot of designers say, well, you know, it's go- I'm going to take a lot of their money. It's going to cost them a lot of money. And what you're saying is that's the opposite mindset to have. Instead of it's costing them a lot of money, it's gaining them this incredible transformation in their home. Yes. And this goes back to the beginning of if you view what you do from strictly a money and dollar cents standpoint, it will feel really hard to to receive that money. But when you sell from this place of outcome, it changes everything. Like then you don't have to be the one who decides what the price is worth. Your customers will. They'll tell you that that kitchen is worth X amount, that that remodel downstairs is this amount. Right. They'll tell you. They'll tell you how much it's worth because they're not buying it from a dollar and cent standpoint. They're buying it for their outcome purposes. And that's a conversation that you've got to, you've got to facilitate. So it sounds like we need to do some homework and think about the gift we are selling, right? Because I think for a lot of us, the talent part, the creative part comes pretty easily. So maybe we imagine that anyone could do it and like... Yep. It, it's almost like if they figure out that they can do this without me, I'm in big trouble, but they can't do this without you. Just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for everyone. Absolutely. It's very hard to read the label from inside the bottle. And so what I like to do is once I have like a really awesome client and they get amazing results, I ask them, I say, what do you think I did? <laughs> like, how would you describe what I did? And then I just have like a running list of those conversations. And then that's how I use like I use their words to talk about my own work because I can't explain what I do. Like I don't really know how to communicate it or like why it's like really valuable, but it is right. And that's how you're going to facilitate and keep improving is because they'll give you the language. That seems like a really good way to get testimonials from your customers as well. So you could, you could do that trick that you suggest, ask them, so what did we do here? What do you think we did here? And then once they say it, you can ask them if you could use those exact words as your testimonial. Absolutely. And including that, I also ask, based on where you were before I started, how much would you have charged or how much would you have paid for this service? Okay, now that the work is finished, what do you think that the service is worth? So it starts to give me market research on where my pricing for a sweet spot is. There is this incredible um, phenomenon I've seen in this industry over and over again. It's the designer who's not charging enough, whose own clients tell her or him that she should be charging more money and they still don't raise their fees. What is up with that? Oh man, it's a loaded question. I think sometimes we have our own money baggage. Like my, my parents divorced. And whenever I asked my mom for money, you know, like I need money for school sports or school shoes. And she's like, you got to go ask your dad. But my dad like was a contractor. Like he, he was in and out of jobs. Like every couple months, he like didn't have work some months, like for a stretch of time. So he just never had money. And it would like cold sweat, even just talking about it, like I'm getting hot. <laughs> like it was so stressful, like having to ask my mom for money. Cause she'd send me to my dad. And like, that caused a lot of problems in my marriage because I just like, couldn't like ask for money. And I was like hiding stuff. And it was just like, uh, hot, like totally crazy. And so I sometimes feel like there's this level, like this unconscious level of how we approach money that we're not even always aware of until we 
really start asking ourselves, where did I learn this money stuff from? That is absolutely true. We are wired. We have this core default position when it comes to money. That was my story for sure. And it's really challenging to overcome it. Not impossible for sure. Not impossible. And the techniques you're sharing with us is how you overcome it. But you are so right about that. And then the other thing is I run into that sometimes with clients. I have a client right now. She's a repeat customer, but the project we're doing for her is much bigger. She bought a new home and we're going to gut it and, you know, do a total reno. And when I was at the consultation, she made a couple remarks about, well, don't say anything. I'm not going to say his name, my husband, let's call him Joe. Don't say anything to Joe about how expensive this is going to be. Ha ha ha. And then we did a Zoom meeting phone call where I could see them face to face. And she said with her husband sitting there, Kimberly says it's going to be at least $500,000 to do this project. But Shauna, Kimberly said it was going to be a million dollars to do this project. So I my I was stunned. My face just was like, what? So yeah. I said, I said, we did talk about how expensive this project was going to be. And um my recollection of that conversation was I suggested it was going to be over a million dollars to do everything you wanted, not five hundred thousand. And I could tell she was really bummed that I had said that to her husband, but I thought, I can't play those games. I am yeah. not gonna get involved in your money baggage issues. Um and I'm really grateful the Zoom recording the Zoom meetings, when you have a Zoom meeting, you have a recording. So I'm keeping all those recordings where we're talking about money. And it's funny, I had another Zoom call with them today and I emphasized again the million dollar figure and I could see that they were both really uncomfortable with it, but that is the reality. That is what it's going to cost. I can't I can't give them a, you know, Range Rover for $20,000. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely the point that I want to emphasize is that it's hard to have money conversations if you're not doing the work up front. What's your budget? What do you expect? Have you had this with conversation with your husband? Like, have you spent money like this in the past? Like really kind of nail and under get your own sort of handful of questions that you can ask that drive that point home and bridge the gap before you're like, okay, here's the price. Right. So. Wow. Really good stuff. So tell us, how can we get more Shauna Beckman? Absolutely. You can find me online at Hey, Hey, Shauna May. And I have a free daily email called Bottoms Up where I help you sell without the struggle. I love that. Hey, hey, Shauna May. I love that. Okay. And if you're driving, uh, don't try to write that down. Just come to businessofdesign.com and you will find that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing these tips. We like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. And this can be any bit of advice that you think is a game changer for a person who has their own business. It does not have to be related to sales techniques. It might be something that somebody taught you about how to run your own business. One thing that has currently been sticking with me over the last couple couple months is that you cannot become who you're not becoming. And so if you are not making moves at being the person who has a profitable business, if you're not making moves to become the person who has like a sustainable, growing, consistent business, if you're not becoming that person, you won't become that person. So I would absolutely say that that point is worth driving home. Wow. I love that because you do want to continually be stepping into the role you want rather than hunkering down into the role you have, unless where you are is perfect. Yep. Absolutely. Amazing. 
you have great energy and you have really good actionable advice. Um, not that isn't true of every guest we get on the show. Sometimes we don't air podcasts cause we're like, there's just theory there, but right. you really do have a gift like, and you're, you know, and you're young and you have five children. So you need to be super successful, right? You need to be so. super successful to bust through any of that money baggage <laughs> that we talked about because yeah. that that's old. That's the old Shauna. The new Shauna is on fire. I love this woman. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.